Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Managing Director of Charts and Data Operations at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Not bad. How about yourself? I'm all right. As always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how Travis Scott's Utopia album makes it a month at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, helped by a deeply discounted vinyl album in his web store that sold for just $5. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Plus, Hosier debuts in the top 10, friend of the podcast, Hosier, by the way, debuts in the top 10 with his latest release, while J-Hope's Jack in the Box album hits the top 10 for the first time a year after its original release. I'll explain why in just a second. Meanwhile, over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, Oliver Anthony Music's viral hit Richmond North of Richmond holds at number one, while Doja Cat's Paint the Town Red rushes into the top ten for the first time. Love that. I love that song. And we have to talk about this past Friday of new music releases because we got new music from three of the biggest child TV stars turned pop superstars that exist. And they are Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus and Ariana Grande. We'll tell you all about their new music in just a moment. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. Alrighty, let us do the chart chat. First up, Travis Scott's Utopia makes it a month at number one on the Billboard 200 albums chart as the set spins a fourth total and consecutive week in the lead. The album earned 161,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending August 24th, according to Luminate, and that's down 13% compared to the previous week. Utopia now surpasses Astro World as Scott's album with the most weeks at number one on the Billboard 200. Utopia is also the first rap album to spend its first four weeks at number one on the chart in five years. Wow. The last, the last rap album to do this was Drake's Scorpion, which logged all five of its weeks at number one from its debut frame. And that debut frame was July 14th of 2018. Uh, You might be wondering, what was the last rap album with just four weeks at number one, regardless of when those four weeks happened? I was wondering, Keith. Thank you. Well, I've got the answer. Uh, That was Drake's certified lover boy, which had five non-consecutive weeks at number one between September 18th and November 6th of 2021. Now, here's where we get to the juicy stuff. So... Of Utopia's 161,000 units earned, album sales comprised 92,000 of that number. Now, Mm. that was down about 7% compared to the previous week. Of that 92,000, vinyl album sales represented about 89,000 of that. You might be wondering, how in the world is he selling so many copies of his vinyl album, which actually retails for $50 a pop in his web store? Turns out... He's had a promotional offer uh, in his web store for the past two chart weeks that dropped the price of the vinyl album down to just five dollars. 
Yep. And that that's is a pretty actually steep discount. Oh, yeah, that's a deep discount. <laughs> that is one penny more than the bare minimum that Billboard allows for an album sale to count on the chart. All right. OK. Um, I mean, uh, speaking, speaking both as a chart manager and as a consumer, gosh, like I don't. And also is like it's just an industry person from a consumer point of view. I think I would feel really sort of like jerked around if I actually pre-ordered the album before it came out and paid $50 and then yeah. saw this later. Yeah. Yeah. But if um, I'm one of the people who got it for $5, I'm really excited. Cartwheels. <laughs> yes. Um, and then as like just a chart manager, I'm like, you know, like. It's I people do this all the time. Like Taylor Swift has sold digital albums for like, you know, five bucks, you know, to, to you know, to um, increase sales, you know, in a particular week. Um, lots of artists have done that. It's usually with digital albums or maybe right. with CDs. I've never seen a vinyl album priced this low. And it just it's wild. Um it has to be one of the lowest, especially this soon after its release, because I would imagine yes. something ends up in a bin price yes. for five dollars eventually. Yeah, eventually <laughs> there's got to be a bargain bin of vinyl LPs somewhere in your local Best Buy or, you know, something. Um, and then the other thing that I've been thinking about, you know, for the past two weeks around this is, you know, vinyl Vinyl albums, we've talked a lot about vinyl on this mm -hmm. podcast in the past. Vinyl costs a lot to make. Mm -hmm. It costs a lot to ship around because you have mm -hmm. to ship around a big object in cardboard. Then, it, 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 so all that cost adds up. It's always, I mean, I would, I'm just assuming this double LP, it's two LPs, has to cost more than $5 to manufacture and ship to someone. So, is someone losing money? Was there like a bulk quantity discount when they made it? I don't know. All these things I'm curious about, but I can't get Travis on the phone. So right. I don't know. <laughs> We anyway. could, though, we should and could ask our colleague Ed Christman, who is the king of all things like uh, money earnings, uh, what it what a vinyl album just costs period right to produce like that's what i would want to know that's the number i would love to know like before he could all be the, selling it at a loss right before all the markups that happen yep. Yep. you know like what is like the bare minimum that you know if you just need a jacket printed and a and a sleeve and a piece of vinyl and you get a really really great deal from someone you know that runs a vinyl pressing plant like what's the lowest it could be yeah and you're right about shipping too it's like you have to factor in getting it to retailers getting it to customers all of that as well i suppose travis is saving a lot of money because right now all the vinyl is only being sold by his web store so it's all mm, in his own warehouse yeah, yeah, yeah it's all direct but still anyway I'm sure. Interesting. We'll see if this discount continues for another week. Maybe he'll be number one again <laughs> uh, next week. Maybe. Uh, um, all right. We'll stay in with the top 10 of the Billboard 200. Uh, Hosier scores his third top 10 charting album as Unreal Unearth launches at number three, while J-Hope's year old Jack in the Box album reaches the top 10 for the first time as it re-enters the list at number six, following its expanded reissue and debut on CD in multiple collectible iterations. Uh, the album previously spent one week on the list, uh, debuting and initially peaking outside of the top 20 a year ago. And at that point, it didn't have a CD available. It was only mm. a digital download and a streaming album. And 
again, as we've talked about before, uh, K-pop usually does really well on CDs because they come in collectible packages with lots of fun goodies inside. And this is what happened with J-Hope. He had four different iterations of the album on CD, which certainly helps CD sales. Of course. And lastly, on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart, Oliver Anthony Music's Richmond North of Richmond spends a second week atop the list, while Doja Cat's Paint the Town Red jumps 15 to 5 in its third week on the chart. So in its second week at number one, Richmond drew 22.9 million U.S. streams. That's actually up 31 percent making it the most streamed song of the week, by the way. It's number one on our streaming songs chart. It had 2.3 million in radio audience. That's up 301%. And it sold 117,000 in downloads. And that was down 20%. But it was still the the top selling song of the week. And Uh, did you see, Keith, that it was uh, the first question at the Republican presidential primary debate last week on Fox News? I missed it because I was actually on vacation, I think, when that happened. So I tuned myself out of most media. What happened? Uh, So the very first question of the debate, they brought up uh, the song and, and went to Governor DeSantis first and said to him, Uh, Why do you think this song is striking such a nerve in our country right now? And uh, he had a whole, you know, pre-canned answer about, you know, Biden being terrible, etc. But uh, Oliver Anthony actually responded in a video um, to the song being referenced in the debate. And he said, I wrote that song about the people on those that stage. Woo, boy. Yeah, because they really like Fox News really embraced it as like we're representing Oliver Anthony and his listeners. And Oliver Anthony was like, no, 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 no. He's like, like no, the, no, 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 no. Don't yeah, you dare like, You're part of the problem, too. He's actually been very open in um, the few things that we've seen uh, from him on videos and interviews talking about being very like politically center, like not not a Republican, not a Democrat. And uh, and obviously it's been embraced by uh, the right, um, you know, obviously. But at the same time, like Oliver Anthony is not trying to pander to that crowd in any way. Interesting. Mm hmm. Hmm. That may just that may just fuel even more interest in the song. I know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's uh, it adds a little intrigue to the whole thing, if I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you listen to it at face value, you know, uh, it, I, I guess I think the initial knee jerk reaction is like, oh, I can see why Fox News, you know, sort of embrace this. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to hear his specific point of view as the person who brought us the song. Yeah. And he also he also addressed one of the more controversial parts of this, uh, the song's lyrics, because a lot of people had been pointing out that they did not love, you know, him kind of calling out people who were on welfare, who were obese. Um, right. That was something that was a little distasteful on first listen uh, from the song. And he addressed that and basically said that he's learning now about, um, you know, what people call food deserts and, you know, how there's like not good uh, groceries, good fresh produce at a lot of places that are lower income uh, and like, you know, inner city areas, et cetera. And so that's pretty cool, too. Like he's hearing criticism about his song and responding to it, you know, thoughtfully. Huh. Yeah. This this story just gets more interesting as the days tick by. It sure does. Um. Well, let's move on to Doja Cat. Uh, Let's do that. (laughs) Quick left turn. Um, (laughs) 
Paint the Town Red uh, garnered 22.7 million in radio audience. That was up 37%. 21.1 million in streams. That was up 49%. And it sold 5,000 downloads. And that was up 81%. Uh, the single has rode a wave of, of virality on TikTok recently, which though activity on TikTok itself doesn't impact our charts. Like when you click on something or listen to something on TikTok, it actually doesn't feed into our charts. But any of the sort of associated activity that you may do thanks to TikTok, like, oh, I go listen to something on Apple or maybe I watched a video on YouTube, that, of course, does impact our charts. So that's why going viral on TikTok certainly ultimately helps you on the charts. Yeah. All that said, here's a fun fact about Paint the Town Red. It samples Dionne Warwick's Walk On By, which hit number six on the Hot 100 in 1964. So thanks to that sample, the legendary late songwriters Burt Bacharach and Hal David appear in the Hot 100's top 10 as songwriters for the first time since another sample brought <laughs> them to the top 10 when Twista's Slow Jams. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I loved that song. Uh, which featured Kanye West and Jamie Foxx hit number one in 2004. Ironically enough, that song sampled Luther Vandross's cover of another Dionne Warwick hit, A House Is Not A Home, which was written by Backrack and David. I love that so much. And I don't know if you saw, but Dionne actually, of course, went on Twitter, her favorite platform. Perfect. Uh, and, uh, and said how wonderful she thinks Doja's new song is and the sample is. So she loves it. Can we get can we get Dionne and Doja like together on an award show soon? Oh, my God, that would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that that's not that far fetched when you think about um, Fergie coming out with Jack Harlow to do first class last right. year or um, uh, I'm trying to think of is it Jody Messina whose song was sampled in Col Cole Swindell's song? Yes, she came out and performed at one of the country awards show with him. So it's it's kind of a cool thing to think about it reviving a hit that maybe Doja's audience is not familiar with, but is a classic, incredible song, and they should be familiar with. And now all of a sudden it could put Dion in the new platform, which you know Queen Dion deserves. Just saying, the Billboard Music Awards are later this year. Uh, yeah, maybe that would be the perfect opportunity. Come on. <laughs> also, saying. I just want to say I love this song. I love I mean, it, we already reported that it was Doja's highest Hot 100 debut ever, which goes to the, you know, crazy popularity of Planet Her and all of its songs the last couple of years. Um, but now the fact that it even scooted further up the top 10 and didn't just, you know, fall off after that high debut for her is amazing. Love yeah. it. All right. Now we have got to talk about last Friday because we got new music from Selena Gomez, Miley Cyrus and Ariana Grande all on the same day, which, uh, you know, if you've been following pop music over the last decade or so, you know that these are all women who started out on either Disney Channel or Nickelodeon and then, of course, transitioned into having these superstar pop careers. So they've been all having sort of parallel uh, professional careers. And now for them all to, you know, combine on this one day is is absolutely wild. And I feel like sort of a moment for especially that generation of pop fans that has grown up with them. So I figured we would kind of go one by one here, starting with Selena Gomez, who put out her new song, appropriately titled Single Soon. 
which is a very cute title for a song, especially for someone who hasn't put a single out in a while. Uh, it is. It is so. It is so very much like that meme. Like, I have a new single. My single is dropping. Oh yeah, exactly. My, my single's dropping. My single. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so let's take a quick listen to single soon. All right, so this is a very fun, upbeat pop song, and it kind of it recalls some of uh, Selena's past hits with the sort of talk singing that she does really well. Um, uh, I thought it is a super fun song, and you know who else thought it was a fun song, Keith? Oh, wait, I have a guess. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, because I follow one Miss Taylor Swift, I saw that uh-huh. she shouted out Selena Gomez on her Instagram story. I don't know if she did it anywhere else, but that's where I saw it. No, well, it was on her. It was on her story, and uh, you know, of course, Selena and Taylor are famously uh, very good friends, maybe best friends. I'm not sure the exact distinction here, but uh, Taylor uh, went to her Instagram story and uh, shared, "When your bestie is the bestest." will be dancing to this forever, methinks, is what Taylor wrote, uh, alongside, of course, the audio of Single Soon. Um, yeah, it's just an absolutely super fun song. And, you know, I feel like a lot has been made of Selena's love life over the years that she's been famous. And so, which again, I never pay attention to, but I mean, you know, you know the Justin Bieber of it all, of oh, course. Well, yes. Like, <laughs> yes. There was a time when I used to do red carpets for Billboard, and I probably had to ask her some inane question about Justin. But yes, yes. But, you know, but this lately, song, lately, I don't know what's going on with her. Yes. And this song is very tongue in cheek, uh, being like, you know, you're in a relationship about like the first verse is all about how am I going to break up with this guy? Uh, and then just being excited because she's going to go out because she's going to be single soon. So soon. anyway, adorable. Um, wait, but, wait, wait, wait. You've yes. seen the video, right? Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, with the little I, sex in the city reference. Yes. Is I was going to say there's a sex yes. in the city reference. There's a post-it note that uh, Selena leaves behind and it has the exact message that burger left for Carrie in sex in the city that uh, I actually I'm going to forget exactly what it said, but uh, I believe uh, I'm it's sorry, I'm sorry I can't. I can't yeah, something right? like that. Yeah. I think it's just I'm sorry I can't. I think there might have been um, like two more words, but it, that's the gist of it. Yes. Um, so super cute. And actually, she uh, promoted the song before it was released by doing a TikTok video where she lip synced to um, a Samantha Jones line from Sex and the City. So I guess there's a few Sex and the City references well, going also, into this. Also, the single happened to come the single soon came out came the this, same week as the finale of and just like that where Kim Cattrall showed up in yep. in and just like that for the first time in its two seasons for a 73 second cameo scene. Yep. And, uh, you know, I mean, come on. Great timing, everybody. Round I of like applause. All, it's like all of this, including the three women we're talking about. It's like a throwback to, you know, 10, 12 years ago or something like pop culture wise. I love it. Um, and then on the other side of the coin with new music is Miley Cyrus, who has the song Used to Be Young, which honestly is it's just kind of completely opposite of the uh, song that Selena just put out. Absolutely. Um, let's take a let's take a quick listen to Used to Be Young. So this one is like 
very serious, very melodramatic talking about. And it's hilarious to hear a 30 year old woman talking about how she used to be young uh, because she still is. But, uh, you know, the the premise of the song and, and it's very fitting for Miley, who, of course, grew up in the public spotlight and did a lot of wild things and was accused of being like a little too crazy, a little too out there sometimes. Uh, the lyrics are, uh, you say I used to be wild. I say I used to be young. Um, and this one was embraced by another celebrity as well, just like Taylor supporting Selena. Uh, Diane Keaton, once again, uh, is in Miley's corner. Uh, she very famously filmed a video of herself dancing to Miley's flowers back in January. Uh, and it was one of the, you know, many viral moments around that song flowers that went on to have eight weeks at number one on the hot 100 for used to be young. Diane Keaton went to Instagram and posted a video of throwback photos of herself, like black and white pictures of young Diane Keaton with the caption. Here's to Miley. Oh, Uh, so it's adorable to see Diane. Miley's number one fan, apparently, which I love. (laughs) Uh, I I will say, is there another celebrity that you wanted to mention that co-signed Miley? Oh, who else? I didn't see somebody else. Adele. Talk to me. Oh, I did not see that. What did Adele? Did she say something on stage? On stage, yeah. She shouted out Miley's new song and and said how much she loved it. Basically, I can't. I'm just paraphrasing here, but she just basically just said like, "Do you hear Miley's new song? It's amazing. I love it." <sighs> you know, I could see, I could hear Adele singing. Used to be young. Honestly, it's kind of it. It's kind of uh, what is what is uh, when we were young. Yeah, when we were young, you could do a mashup of those two. I think I think if you go check Miley's uh, Twitter or Instagram, she she uh, note she saw that Adele shouted her out, and then mm-hmm. Miley responded. Um, I think on Twitter to Adele's onstage moment. So I, I'm pretty sure that there's a uh, sort of a loop of of commentary from one I love from that. one songwriter to another and back. I love it. Um, and this song is already being embraced by my favorite radio station, Coast 103.5. <laughs> Keith, <laughs> if Katie ever leaves Billboard, we know where to find her. <laughs> yeah, that's my angle here. Ellen K. Sidekick on Coast. <laughs> um, but I, they played it day one. They played it on Friday. And again, I think we've talked about this before. AC Radio does not typically play brand new tracks, but the way Flowers was such a massive AC hit it makes total sense to have uh used to be young and not to mention I feel like used to be young just just fits in the whole pocket of that radio station so yeah yes okay and the final new music was from Ariana Grande who put out a deluxe digital release of her debut album Yours Truly to celebrate the project's 10th anniversary Now, she added a few bonuses for fans to this project, including uh, a handful of live recordings that she made from London, where she was, of course, filming uh, the two part Wicked movie that comes out next year. First part comes out next year. Um, Let's take a quick listen to Baby Eye live from London. Now, the song that probably people remember the most uh, from the album is The Way, featuring uh, Mac Miller, of course, um, Ariana's ex-boyfriend and uh, late rapper who passed away. Um, 
this was her breakthrough as a as a pop star because she was known at that point for being a Nickelodeon actress. Uh, she started in the TV show Victorious uh, with Victoria Justice, and then her character Cat ha- got her own spinoff called Sam and Cat. Uh, so that was the beginning of Ariana Grande. Uh, Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus, of course, were Disney Channel stars. Uh, all of these women, uh, as of July, were 30 years old. Selena just turned 31 in July. There's like a lot of parallels here between these three careers. With yours truly, Ariana had her first top 10 hit on the Hot 100 in the way. Um, we actually did a an article comparing Miley and Selena's chart histories on uh, Billboard.com leading up to these, you know, dual singles that were coming out on Friday. Um, and it's kind of crazy to see a lot of the similarities that they have in that respect um, because they've been doing it for the exact same amount of time. <laughs> like it's 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 kind it's crazy. And it's it's also crazy to think of a world, you know, 12, 13 years ago that we didn't have these three women in our pop landscape because they are so omnipresent now. Well, it, and it's also... And I say this as an older person, so I, w- I want to get like, I don't know how to frame this, but it's I mean, like you and I are both above the generation that grew up with um, right. these three ladies. But there was also a time when um, it wasn't the norm for Nick and Disney stars that were making Nick and Disney tween music to necessarily graduate on to become mainstream pop superstars with adult uh, music. Yes. And all three of them were able to do that, were able to uh, expand their appeal beyond at the at the time what everyone thought their base would be. You know, a lot yes. of young girls and become beloved by like millions of more people beyond anyone that ever saw. I've never watched any of these shows on yeah, TV. Same. <laughs> and I think Miley especially defied the odds, given that her character was a singer pop star on the show. And she had to make all this music that truly was not hers. Like it was written by other people. It was it was performed by a character. And then like so many she things, was like able, it was so stacked against her. Yes, <laughs> really. <laughs> and, then, and then she was able to cr- like come out of that and introduce us to the actual human being behind all of that and behind all the machine and all that. Um, and and be a really interesting pop star who has been super nimble in the way that she's moved from album to album, project to project uh, and had very different sounds throughout all of it. I mean, the fact that we now ha- we live in the world where I mean, yes, I mean, we talked about how Miley is like very much chameleon now in pop mm-hmm. music um, and how like like it on one day we can watch her sing like a cover of photograph with Def Leppard on stage, you know, to singing with Billy Idol and Joan Jett to doing flowers to doing used to be young. She's country Dolly Parton. She's yep. all over the place. But yes. at the same time, uh, we have. We, we are now in a world where Selena Gomez is on a hit show, Only Murders in the Building, as a great She's actress. She's an Emmy-winning producer of that show. And yeah. still making music at the same time. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to have a Wicked film with 
Ariana Ethan Grande in like it. Like an I Oscar mean, bait film. Come and on. she's coming from Nickelodeon. I think that Ariana had the biggest advantage of these three because, uh, as we were talking about earlier before the show, um, she was the, you know, second fiddle character on her original show. She was not like her her Nickelodeon show was not everywhere the way that Hannah Montana was right. and the way that like Selena Gomez was in the early days. People really a lot of people got to meet her as a singer because the way was so successful early for her. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of people who probably just think of her as like, oh, the sort of Mariah Carey young pop star girl um, and not the Nickelodeon star. Right. Too, not, you know, not remembering that she was like the, the supporting mem- the supporting cast member initially of yeah. a show, which then she got her own show. But still. But even it, then, yeah, it, it she's, wasn't, it she's wasn't, always been better known for her music career than anything else. Right. Yes, what, and what then a, Selena. What a time to be alive. <laughs> yes, it truly is. And then <laughs> Selena, as as you said, like she, her acting career is as successful as her pop career. She oh, yeah. has both in spades and has been in a range of projects. Uh, and you know, it runs in like an A list Hollywood circle, and also is you know pops in to give us a cute pop song on a, on a Friday. Why not? I, like. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm 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 very happy that we are still getting pop music from Selena Gomez. Yes, because she could very much be like, you know, I'm good. You know, a hundred percent. I'm just going to focus on, you know, my hit TV show and other things like. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad you made yeah, pop music. Uh, her actually both uh, Ariana and Selena also have makeup brands that probably could sustain them like <laughs> sustain their lives for decades to come. I'm, I mean, I love I, I'm glad that they are not completely following Rihanna's playbook. Right. Um, <laughs> where she just sort of disappeared into a a makeup uh, world she where disappeared we don't... into into a Scrooge McDuck pool of her of, billions of, of dollars of, of cash with 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 Rihanna's face printed on them. Right. Um, anyway. All right. That's I, I we could obviously gush about these three women all the time, but uh, we we could move on to your chart stat, I think. <laughs> OK, well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. So this week's chart stat of the week comes by way of Chartbeat and Billboard.com reader Jeff Lerner, who generated this factoid for Gary Trust. But since it's likely uh, that Katie actually doesn't know any of this, we're going to make it a quiz, Katie. Oh, man. So, Katie, inspired by Richmond north of Richmond, Richmond being Richmond, Virginia, uh, being number one on the Hot 100, how many Hot 100 number ones have had a city in their title? And can you name any of them? A U.S. Well, city. I'll say this. It's a U.S. I was, city. I mean, I, immediately I think of Vegas. And <laughs> are there any Vegas number ones? None. None. I left my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm just going to start naming cities. Not a number um, one. Not a number one. Uh, New York. Nothing went to number one with the wow. with, with New York in the title. Wow. Um, okay. The, is the question how many have there been? Maybe I should start with that. It's both. I'm going to start with guessing the number of uh, of times this has happened, and I'm going to start my guess with six. Close. Eight. Okay. That's not bad. Including Richmond, north of Richmond. Okay. How about I just um, how about I just tell you or I could give well, you why some don't you hints? give me a, give me some cities and then I'll see if I can guess the songs. 
Okay, I'll give you. I mean, well, here's kind of a gimme. That's a little obvious. Miami. Um, Miami is uh, Will Smith's Miami. No. Is my guess. <laughs> it's an instrumental. Oh, an instrumental. Oh, yep. like the Miami Vice theme song. Yep, from Jan Hammer. There it uh, is. From the TV show Miami Vice in 1985. Okay, what about the city Philadelphia? Um. I mean, Elton John, Philadelphia Freedom. That's one of them. Number one in How 1975. About, I mean, I know Bruce Springsteen was not number one. So nope. I don't think it's the Streets, Streets of Philadelphia. Streets of Philadelphia, not number one. Um, another Philadelphia song. Yeah, and it was also an instrumental. Okay, well, go ahead and tell me what that is then. Uh, it was T-S-O-P, The Sound of Philadelphia by M-F-S-B in 1974. Wow, a lot of initials there. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, what about Chicago. Um, okay. Uh, you won't get <laughs> like the band Chicago. All right, give it to me. It's called The Night Chicago Died by Paper nope. Lace. Number one in 1974. All right. What about? Well, see, this one just gives it to you. So I'll save that one for the end. So there's okay. three more. There's three more number ones. Okay. Two of which are just singularly the name of a city. Okay. And the name of a U.S. city. Again, this is about U.S. cities, not cities yes. around the world. Okay, I'll give you this one, which actually includes the title in its name, or includes the song, the, the city in its name. Okay. But it's not the entire title. Okay. Uh, New Orleans. I don't know. The Battle of New Orleans by Johnny Horton in 1959. Okay. okay. And then the final two are El Paso by Marty Robbins, okay. number one in 1960, and Kansas City by Wilbert Harrison in 1959. I feel like if I had like had a gun to my head, I maybe would have gotten to Philadelphia Freedom and that's it. <laughs> like that's about all I would have come up with on my own. Yeah, I would have I Miami I Vice theme song you probably would have thought of, I bet. I probably would have gotten to Miami Vice and Philadelphia yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Uh and I I would have guessed Kansas City probably. I'm Kansas actually surprised City. Will Smith's Miami wasn't a number one. Well, you I would know, have kind of guessed it was. It could have been that weird time in the chart where, like, you know, things didn't chart because they weren't released as singles, yada, yada. Right, right, anyway, right. Uh, so there you have it. A little uh, trip down, uh, well, City's memory lane at number one <laughs> on the Hot 100. Thanks to Gary and thanks to Jeff Lerner and uh, Billboard.com. Love that. All right. We've reached the end of our big show. Any parting words? Katie. Uh, I sure don't have any. Uh, we had back to school last week. Cal is back in school now. Wow. Maybe we could do some sort of school themed song to go out. I was going to suggest one by a particular artist who is currently in hot water for saying <laughs> something right. dumb about. <laughs> Maybe we could do better. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, school's not out. School's back. So that doesn't uh, make any sense. Anyway, ooh, how about. Oh, this is a deep cut back to school again. By the Four Tops. Oh, it originated in the film Grease Two. Oh wow, I love Grease Two. So it was the it was the it was the big opening song where all oh the, my gosh. introduced all the characters who are dancing into Rydell High at the beginning of the show. Beginning of the it's movie. like it's like the Grease is the word of the first uh, movie. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, I uh, love that. Yay, Calvin will love it too. <laughs> we'll go out on that, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Gotta go back.